0: Glory to God, this is awesome, so good. I'm so glad that you're here, so glad that you're here, because we're, we're finishing up this series, kind of putting the icing on the cake, uh, this series about living in the last days, how shall we live, how should we conduct ourselves, how are we supposed to navigate through these difficult days, amen? Amen. So our foundational scripture for this series, we've kind of settled on 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Hallelujah. I, I still feel like there's something that we didn't do this morning. Hallelujah. Can you all stand up? Don't worry, I'll get to this. I don't know. It's like, you know, when there's something here, it's like, we, we didn't hit it. We didn't hit it yet. So lift your hands up to the Lord, please. And if you're, if you're new to this, uh, just lift your hand up anyway. We, we won't tell any of your friends that you go to one of them churches and lift their hands up. Now now listen, I'm going to pray in the spirit. If, you are, have you received, if you've received the baptism and you pray in the spirit, please go ahead and do that. The rest of you that haven't received that yet, you might get it right now. and just lift your hands up. just start glorifying God. Father, we bless you. Father, we praise you. Nasi Kato, Naambakoya makia She.ka, come on, church. Indaroso toloboko Nandriambo Sete Italam Roshara Masia Teiko Andolofra and the Sikre Indishaku Narambakasate Narambako Shoya Nimbre Ya so de levraku Ali Kasite ne makusa alembra keya shekata yesotoku Holy Ghost Holy Ghost move among us Holy Ghost Holy Spirit move 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 on behalf of those that are here today those that are crushed in spirit, those that have been bruised, God, those that are downtrodden, those that have come in here today, Father God, carrying depression, carrying oppression, Mm -hmm. the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost, the power and the presence of the Spirit of God, Oh, even as it was in days gone by. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Meet every need here this morning. Father, there's some that are here. They just don't. There's something that doesn't feel right. They don't know exactly what it is. But there's something that's not settled. In the name of Jesus, I speak peace. I speak stability, I speak calm, I speak that rock-solid foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ will become preeminent in your life. Glory to God. Father, we worship you. Father we stand in awe of you even as we've sung this morning, Father. You're the Almighty One. You are the Most High God. There is nothing or no one, God, that can stand against you, Father. And we are your children. Yes, we are your children. You've called us into your family. You've given us this new birth, God. And along with it, everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of you. So God, we declare our dependence upon you this morning. Our eyes are upon you, Lord Jesus Christ. Our eyes are upon you, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can everybody say amen, please? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Father, we thank you. Thank you, God. We declare a settledness right now, a settledness. Receive the peace of God that passes all understanding, that guards your heart and guards your mind in Christ Jesus. Those things that have come to unsettle you, that bad news, that bad report, that shocking thing that the enemy has sent to kind of move you off of your position in the name of Jesus, I come against it. I command that voice to be stilled in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We bless you, Father. So grateful for you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. And greatly to be praised, Father. Worthy, worthy, worthy are you, Lord. Worthy are you, God. All the glory all the honor, all thanksgiving, Father. Blessed be your holy name. For all of eternity, Father, we'll declare your goodness. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God, for your goodness. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I feel like I just need to deliver this word it's for the two of you. Open your eyes. Give me your hand. I speak this word over you because it's like I can't go further until I say this and I don't know the scope of it. I don't know what it means to you. I don't know, but, but I'm hearing this for you. And the Father God is saying to you, you have not yet stepped into the purpose that I've had for you. You've not yet stepped into that purpose and you've, you've, you've sensed frustration. You've sensed discouragement. You sense all these things that are coming against you. But seek me, says the Lord God. The voice of the Spirit of God is saying it to you. Seek the face of God. Find that purpose and everything else will settle. Everything else will fall into place. Hallelujah. And you by his side. Praying with him. Believing with him. Speaking the best over him. And you'll see. You'll see, you'll see, it shall surely come to pass. You'll step into that purpose. The frustrations will diminish. The obstacles will be removed because they won't be able to stand in the face you, of the plan right. of yes. God. Yes. Yes. yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Father. The anointing to walk in these things. Father, I bless you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you revealed the rest of them. It's between you and them. You reveal the rest of them, Father, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, I feel better now. You're going to be seated. If we claim to be people of the Word and if we claim to be people of the Spirit, then when the Spirit of God moves, we should obey the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Otherwise, what are we coming here for? Just we could go hang out any place. We come together. Uh, we come together. When we come together, we go when it is because we have an expectation that the Holy Spirit of God is going to manifest himself in a corporate manner. Yes. You understand what I mean by corporate? Okay? There's, there's a different anointing when God's people come together. Now, you can experience that anointing on your own at home. You can start worshiping God, feel the presence of God, but that's, that's, that's for you. But when it's a corporate anointing like this, Man, and everybody's lifting their voices. Everybody's praising God. Everybody's worshiping God. People are putting aside their own needs and praying for each other. Something special happens. Are you listening to me? Something special happens. And we need that. You know, today you can sit home and have praise and worship. Just go on YouTube. You can go listen to your favorite songs. Okay? And, and uh, you know, but there's something about when we come together. And in Hebrews it tells us that we're, we're supposed to be doing this more now as we see that day approaching, the day that we're talking about in this series. So listen, I'm not gonna be able to review much. I'm gonna read a couple of scriptures and I'm gonna go right to part three, the grand finale of this series. Is that okay with you? If you have not been here, please make sure you go online, go on YouTube, you go to our YouTube channel and you see the rest of the messages from last week, the week before. Second Timothy chapter three, verse one, it seems that the apostle Paul got a glimpse into the future, his future, okay? Got a glimpse into the future uh, of what it would be like in the days that we're living in right now. So, well, how do we know it's the day we're living in right now? Well, go listen to the messages, messages especially from week one. Week number one, part one, we spent a lot of time on showing from the scriptures that we indeed are in the last of the last days. Yes. Amen? Yes. So if you weren't here, please go listen to it. So, so the Apostle Paul, by the Spirit of God, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gets this glimpse into the future. All right, I'm going to read this to you the way it appears in your English Bible. Then I'm going to read to you the way they heard it in the first century, okay? Because our language, our English language is extremely limited, all right? But know this, that in the last days, what kind of times are going to come? Perilous. Say it like like you're feeling it. What kind of days? Perilous. Perilous, dangerous, okay? Now, in the original language, if we were to paraphrase it in the original language, and you know that the New Testament was written in Greek, It would sound like this you must grasp the reality that in the last days in that time when you come to the place that you've reached the very last port because it's a nautical term okay when you come to the end of the line exceeding ferocious life-threatening times will come and guess what everybody say hallelujah we're there we are we're there Verse two, he goes on to describe what should we expect to see in these last days. Well, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, all the parents and grandparents said, (laughs) no, we should say, well, we know that's right. (laughs) Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control. Dear God Almighty, if that doesn't speak of these days of wrong, you can't even watch a TV commercial anymore. Amen. I sit there saying, now what the heck does this have to do with the product that's being sold? It's anything to push this agenda of just cast off all restraint, cast off all decorum, t- cast off anything that is decent and just go for shock value constantly. So where was I? Without self-control. Brutal. Despisers of good. Traitors. Headstrong, haughty. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying its power. So let's just, let's just settle it. We're in the last days, okay? Now, that's not the goal. The goal of this series is not to prove in the last days. The goal of the series is, okay, since we are in the last days, how do, are we supposed to live from this point forward until we see Jesus return in the sky, amen? amen. So, real quick. Last week, again, you're going to have to go listen to the other messages. We talked about not giving up hope, that we have to maintain our hope. Why? Because when you and I overflow in hope, guess what? The people that are hopeless get affected by the hope that's in you. Amen. Yes or no? Yes. How many of you like to hang around with hopeless people? How many like to hang around with negative people? How many like to? No. I'm not going to ask how many are you that way. I won't embarrass anybody, but I can't be around negative people. I just can't, I can't. It's like I'm allergic to it. I break out in flesh. I just want to rip the person's neck, you know, I just want to... I, don't tell me I can't do something, because if you tell me I can't do something, I'm gonna do everything possible to accomplish that. Because with God, all things are possible. So if he's telling me to do something, I'm going to do it not be, and it's not a rebellious thing it's like no if he's telling me to do this do it. uh, and it's confirmed in the word and I know in here it's confirmed in my spirit I'm going to do it. I'll die trying to do that Amen. but you and I cannot especially in these days do I, I don't listen to the news anymore Amen. I, I, don't, I don't listen to it when I, when, as soon as I see that a commercial is going for a particular agenda I change it immediately I will not let that stuff settle in me why? Because there is a lost world out there that doesn't know the left hand from the right hand that are looking for people who have hope. Amen. Not just saying they have hope, but their lifestyle exhibits and gives evidence of the fact this person has faith in God, they are trusting God, are, their hope is in the Lord. Amen. That's the best thing you can do for your unsaved loved ones, for your unsaved co-workers, your neighbors, is live a life that's exuberant with hope. I don't walk around with that plaster smile on. Like you're on some kind of drug. you know. No, no, just be real. Right. But, but give hope. Spill out hope. Let it, let it spill out from you. Amen? Amen? Yeah, yeah. Next thing. Reawaken your God-given purpose. Tough times require tough disciples. Amen? <laughs> tough it up. Tough it up. Stop getting like the rest of the world. Right. Be tough. Amen. Get tough skin. Stop, oh, you hurt my feelings. I don't care. Right. 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 Stop this. Baloney. Amen. Stop yes. acting like we've got to wrap you up in cotton every time we walk by you. Stop it. Yes. Grow, up. Amen. Somebody, say, grow, up. grow up. Turn to somebody and say, grow up. Turn to somebody and say, who wowed him up this morning? <laughs> God. 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 Suck it up. We're living in tough times. you got the Holy Ghost in you. you up. got the same spirit of God that was with the disciples when they put him in the Colosseum. You got the same Holy Ghost in you that walked into villages and entire villages got born again. You got the same Holy Ghost that faced lions. You got the same Holy Ghost that spoke boldly to the leaders in the Roman Empire, the most cruelest, iron-fisted regime that's ever existed. They stood up boldly. We talked about that last week. You got to go listen to it. Amen? Amen. Number three, this is just review now. This isn't the message. I got to move fast. Make sure you're walking in faith because faith in God always pleases him and it never fails. Amen. Now, I want to spend a little bit of time on this because last week I went short and I couldn't really spend the time I did on faith. If there's one thing that you and I need and, another, and, and, uh, and also where we're going next in the last part of the series, you and I are not going to be able to accomplish it unless we're walking in faith. Amen. What is faith? Well, pastor, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence not seen. Yeah, I know that. But what is faith? What is faith is not, when you go to the hospital, you know, you got to fill in what your faith is. It's not a label. It's not a title. It is a spiritual force. (laughs) Do we not understand this? It is a force that God released into the earth to to counter and to come up against all adversity. Amen. Now, in the beginning, in the beginning, you read in Genesis chapter 1, God created the heavens and the earth. How did he do that? (laughs) By faith. But up until that point, man didn't have to live by faith. Why? Because everybody was living by God's faith. Now, when Adam and Eve are created, they don't have to live by faith. Why? God created everything for them. Everything was perfect. Everything was good. Okay? One problem. They had free choice. Just like you and me. Okay? So now, in their free choice, they make the wrong choice. And they choose to take the relationship they have with God, the Creator, and try to develop it with a liar, yeah. with the snake. Okay, Just once they made that choice, everything changed. All of a sudden, the ground's not producing the way it used to. All of a sudden, there's, there is age to take into consideration because they're never supposed to die. All of a sudden, and the day that you eat that fruit, you shall surely die. So now Adam's like, what's this? I never had, what is, what is this? I don't even know. He didn't even have a word to describe pain because it never existed before. But now all of a sudden, uh, Eve, the ground's not producing. What are we gonna eat? Now all of a sudden, what happens? The force of faith, the spiritual principles of faith come into effect. This is interesting. The first thing that God gave them to prove their faith was sacrifice. He kills animals. He covers them with The blood. Then he tells them, from now on when you come in my presence, you cannot come empty-handed. You come with some form of sacrifice. And he told them exactly what to, it's got to have blood. It's got to have blood. It's gotta, why? Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Amen. So now, now Adam and Eve are called it with a different relationship with God Almighty. They've got to trust him. They've got to have faith in him. And you and I have been living that way ever since. Why? Because we're living on a cursed planet. Amen. Okay? This planet is cursed. They say well I don't know pastor I've been to some really beautiful places on earth it's a dump compared to what it's supposed Amen. to be compared to what it was in the beginning the most beautiful spectacular scenery and landscape on this earth is nothing but a garbage heap compared to what it used to look like Okay, this is all we know we know this is what we know so ooh, Grand Canyon beautiful it's a hole in the ground Okay, you listening to me all right, I, I gotta move out of this so now listen to me Jesus said something that's so revealing and so telling. He said, when the Son of Man comes, he's talking about the same coming. He said, will he find faith on the earth? In other words, is there anybody amongst my people that are still gonna be living in trust towards me? Or because of the times, because of the climate, because of the, the nasty, all those adjectives in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, all those, all those horrible things that mankind will become. He said, are they just all going to be overwhelmed by their surroundings or will there still be people of faith? I say here, Amen. we're going to be people of faith. Amen. You listen to me? Yes. So I'm going to need you to spend a lot more time on that in the future. Because you see, you're living on a planet right now, like I said before, it's still under the curse. And I know when I say that, I can sense in here some people are going, well, wait a second. Doesn't the New Testament tell us that Christ has delivered us from the curse of the law? Yeah, from the curse of the law. But we have not been yet redeemed from the curse of the fall. People still get sick. People still die. Weeds still grow. You see what I'm saying? Two different curses. One was about religion. The other one is about relationship. This earth is still the ground, everything, nature, is still in rebellion towards God. God because of the sin that came on this earth. You and I are affected by this, okay? Yeah. You, you, when he created this, there, was, there wasn't viruses, there was no bacteria, there was no sick, sickness, there was no disease, we weren't supposed to die. There wasn't, there wasn't a plan for cemeteries, there was no need for them. Okay, you listening to me? Yes. Jesus came to rescue us from religion, saved us by grace, because the people were crushed under the weight of all these rules and regulations and do's and don'ts and all this other kind of stuff. He came, died on the cross, so that when we put our faith in him, regardless of whether we fulfill all 10 commandments or not, our faith and our trust is in him. Oh, pastor, so that means I can live any way I want. No, honey, it doesn't. But we're still dealing and contending with nature, a world system that is contrary to the ways of God. So you need faith in God to survive, to thrive, to prosper. He wants us to prosper. He wants us to be in health as our souls prosper. Amen. The best way that your soul can prosper is teach your soul to walk in faith towards God. Amen. Trusting in Him. Are you getting this? Yes. yes. you sure? Yes. All right, because I'd like to move on here. All right, so God revealed His desire for us that we're supposed to live. At least, I'm going to show you three different times. There's actually four different times He says the same thing throughout scriptures. Romans chapter one, verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. You got that one? Galatians chapter three, verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident for the just shall live by faith. My personal favorite is found in the Old Testament in the book of Habakkuk, chapter two, verse four, which says, behold his soul, which is lifted up, Is not upright in him, but the just shall live by. No, you skipped a word. Let's do it again. But the just, and another translation says, but my just ones shall live by his faith. Whose faith? God's faith? Whose faith? Our faith. Don't you remember when that woman that had the hemorrhage for like 11 or 12 years there? You listening to me? Yes. You remember that woman? She came to Jesus. She'd been bleeding for, for 12 years. Yes. says that she, she lost everything. She spent all her, monies on do- all her money on doctors and got worse and no better. Yes. And she heard about Jesus. She heard the miracles. And she said within herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, if I could just touch his clothes, I know that I'll be made whole. I'll be healed. Okay? So when she did that, Jesus was not even aware that she was in the crowd. She, he, she, he didn't even know she was there. You listening to me? Well, Jesus is God. So, hold on, sweetheart. Jesus did not operate as God on the earth. Jesus operated as a man filled with the Holy Ghost on earth. Okay? Is he God? Come on, some of you are like, oh, I'm afraid to answer. Is he God? Yes. yes. Was he always God? Yes. Is he still God? Yes. But when he was on the earth, he did not operate as God. Because if he operated as God, then he couldn't say to you, verily, verily, I say unto you, the works that I do, you shall do also. Why? Because you're not God. But if he operated as a man on the earth, filled with the Holy Ghost, yes. that you and I can do. Amen. Why? Because we're human beings on the earth, filled with the Holy Ghost. You got this? So he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Whose faith was it? Jesus' faith? Whose faith? Her. Her faith. Who is he looking to have faith when he returns? Us. He already has faith. He's not coming here to bring his faith. He's coming here to see, are the people that I have left behind, did they prosper in their way? Did they develop faith? You listening to me? That's his biggest concern. Why? What was taken away from God in the garden? Faith. What is God looking to have returned? Faith. They didn't trust him in the garden. If they trusted him in the garden, they would have known, this snake is lying to me. But they didn't trust him. And you and I sometimes don't trust him. And as times get worse and get darker, there's gonna be more and more temptation not to trust him, to lean on just our society to lean on the government to lean on other people to lean on, and God said, "No, no, that's not the way it works. You trust in me. You lean on me. and all your ways, acknowledge me, and I'll direct your path." Amen. Proverbs chapter three. Okay, now listen. From this point forward, you and I are going to be responsible for developing faith in our in our souls. Okay, because that's where it operates. In faith, doesn't operate in your spirit. Faith operates your soul. Your spirit's already, if you're born again, your spirit is already perfect in the sight of God. Amen. I thought a lot more of you would have been happy about that. Amen. Your spirit is already perfect in God's eyes. Amen. Okay, Okay. go read it. Go ahead. But your soul is like, should I trust him? Can I not? Things are getting bad. Oh, I went to the supermarket. The shelves are empty. I'm not going to have my fluffernutter. Okay. Uh, <laughs> And so what do you start doing? You start you start panicking. You start panicking. You start you, you get online and you order twelve bottles of fluff and utter. Because <laughs> you want to make sure I got my fluff and utter. And we start relying on the flesh. We start relying on people. We start relying on and that's not God's will. That's right. You listening? Yes. I hope you are because the test is coming. Whenever God spoke to anybody in the Bible that acted on faith, God fulfilled the promise to them. Their faith was rewarded. From Noah to Abraham, from Moses to David, from Samuel to Elijah, the great champions of the Bible always relied on their faith in God to sustain them even in the hardest of times. Now, we're not at part three yet. I do want to talk a little bit about how do we release faith? Now, we're going to get into a lot more teaching after the first of the year. on the sub- next, year, next year is about faith. Amen. You should say amen. amen. Okay, because without faith, you're just hanging there. Without faith, you're at the mercy of the world. And you see how much mercy the world has. None. Okay, step on you do whatever I have to get its needs met. That's not God, okay? So how does faith operate? And I can't, obviously, this is like a week seminar, but I'm gonna just give you a couple of things to, to kind of whet your appetite, okay? Now, you cannot see the results of faith unless you release faith. That woman with the issue of blood, she heard, she said, she went. She heard about Jesus. She said, if I could just touch his garment, and then what did she do? Sat in the house, so if I could just touch his garment. No, she went to where he was. Right. You listening? Yeah. Faith always requires action. Okay. Are you listening to me? Yeah. Okay. Without action, there is no evidence that you're actually in faith. Okay? Now watch this now. Faith has got to be released, and God has always been teaching us about faith from the beginning of the Bible all the way through. Isaiah 55 Verse 10. Can you put that up there, please? I want to go through. I want to go through the mechanics of this. I like to see the way things operate, okay? I'm not necessarily mechanically inclined. In fact, I'm tragically not mechanically inclined. But when it comes to the word of God, I like to see the mechanics. I want to see the context. I want to see how it all works out, all right? So watch it. This is God now speaking to the nation of Israel through the prophet Isaiah, all right? As the rain and snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth. What is that talking about? The natural process of rain, evaporation, goes into, the forms clouds. When the clouds get heavy enough with, with, with moisture, what happens? It rains or it snows, okay? We're praying in Jesus' name that this year we have a minimum of snow here in New Jersey. It's only allowed to snow on Mondays or Tuesdays or Thursday and Friday. Those are the only days it's allowed to snow, okay? Now watch this now. Go back, go back, go back. I don't want to lose the kind. So God's saying, as the rain and so come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, go like this, watering the earth, water. and make it bud. Make what bud? The earth. The earth. Without water, no seed is going to burst forth. Okay? Make it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower. Now Paul picks this up in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. That's a whole nother deal. But so that it yields seed for the who? So and bread for the who? Can I can I just do a little 10 second just off track here? Don't mix up your seed and your bread. He gives you seed to sow and bread to. I've seen too many people switching around. Don't eat your seed. If you eat your seed, you got nothing to grow. So whatever finances you have, and that's what this is talking about, and Paul's talking about Second Corinthians chapter nine. Whatever finances you have, a percentage of it is for seed and a percentage of it is for you to eat and feed your family. Now, I've seen over the years, been in this thing for 37 years now, I've seen the danger of some families, what they did. They took everything and made seed. So the kids went, out, the kids went around without the proper clothing. Kids went around without proper shoes. Kids went around not being able to have their needs met. And so when those kids grow up, grew up, They didn't want to follow God. Why? Because God represented to them, I got to wear cheap Walmart sneakers for $19. Okay? I I don't have the right clothing. We never go away on vacation. We don't do anything fun. We don't do any of those things. That's not God. God expects us to walk in balance. Parents, God expects you to walk in balance. There's some that you eat and you feed your kids, and there's others, there's other percentage that you give. Don't mix it up. Uh, uh, this is good teaching here. Okay, all right, good. Next verse. Now what? He he gave us a natural illustration. Now he's going to show us the spiritual principle that applies to that natural illustration. Watch. So is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose which I sent it for. Which I sent it. What's he saying? Just like you see the rain come down to the earth, it waters it, it causes it to grow, it causes it to explode. It's the same thing with my word, he's saying. When you release my word, it will not return empty. It will accomplish what you called it to do and what you sent it for it to do. Are you, are you listening? Uh, yeah. Are you listening? Because th- that's gonna require faith. Because you're saying, well, that says when God speaks, yeah, but who's his representative on the earth now? We are. we are. So we're responsible for speaking. this You have your Bible. Some of you have your Bibles on your lap. That Bible's nothing but a printed page until you speak it. You can do whatever you want, wave it on somebody's head. It's not going to heal them. It's not going to do anything. It's when you speak the word, just like clouds until they release the rain don't do any good on the earth. You getting this? So what are you saying, Pastor? This is what I'm saying. In these last days, you and I are gonna have to be speakers of the word, dispensers of the word. And what do we hear a lot in churches? Uh, I'm not talking about just here. Well, the way I see it, well, I believe, well, I see it this way. No, the way you see something has no power in it unless it lines up with the word of God. Are you catching this? well, I don't know about that Bible stuff, but I'm spiritual. Yeah, that's what I'm concerned about. We don't know what spirit you have. There's a lot of spirituality. Most people would consider themselves spiritual, but what kind of spirit? Is it the spirit that comes from the kingdom of darkness, which causes doubt and unbelief and negativity? Or is it the Holy Spirit that's coming from the kingdom of God? Now, the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit speaks, is always going to line up with the word. You got Because the Holy Spirit does not have power independent... the word that's why the anointing of the holy ghost is on the word isn't it isn't isn't it much easier this way that you don't have to try to come up with something just say what he said and he'll do what he said he would do say what he said and he will do what he said he would do but if nobody's speaking and in these last days as it gets more confusing and more dark and more overwhelming a lot of Christians are going to be tempted to just keep their mouth shut. Speak the word. Speak the word. Jesus spoke the word. When the devil came to tempt him in the wilderness, you guys know the story. He spoke the word. It is written. That is the weapon of your warfare. That is how you're going to build yourself up. That is how you're going to be able to face the days that are up ahead. That's how you're going to be able to lift yourself up above the confusion. speak the word you got it all right good can i finish this up now all right so part three so how are we to live in these last days we just reviewed everything we could but i just want to go finally to the very words of jesus that he spoke on what we call today the mount of beatitudes matthew chapter 5 verse 13 You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all those who are in the house. Verse 16, here we are. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. Now, we lose the strength and the depth and the richness of this illustration because today, salt is, is cheap. Today, you can go to the supermarket and buy a box of salt for probably around a buck. I remember when it was 29 cents, but yeah. we won't go there. A dollar. If you really want to get fancy and buy sea salt, maybe you're gonna pay about 250. But it's mostly because they put it in a fancy container. Okay? So unless we study what salt meant in the Middle East, we're gonna miss out on a very important illustration. In New Testament times, salt was an expensive, precious commodity. It was crucial to every aspect of life. I'm gonna go through this as quick as I can, but I want you to get it. Salt was used mainly as a preservative. In the Middle East, where it's hot almost all the time meat, fish, anything that's perishable, spoils quickly, it rots quickly because of the heat, the humidity, unless it's preserved with salt. Now those who heard Jesus make this statement, they immediately understood what he was saying. Because we're told that as a preserving force in the world that is filled with rot, spoil, and decay, God's word works in our lives and causes us to be like salt to preserve. And our very presence helps hold back the abate the corruption that is eating away at the world. Our presence here is stopping the enemy from doing ultimately what he really wants to do on this earth. That's why the, the full force of hell will not be seen on this earth until the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, his people are taken off the earth. Okay, that, we'll talk about that in the future. Most of you know what I'm talking about. That's the next event we're looking for in the calendar of God. Jesus who appear in the sky and here we go. Bam, we're out of here. We're out of here. Well, I don't know about that. No, you don't know about that. We'll talk about it in the future. So, like salt, we're influencers. When we stand for the truth of the word, when we speak the word, we are helping someone or some group of people avoid the corruption that is in the world system. And our world system is corrupt. Does anybody in here have a doubt that the world system is corrupt? It's absolutely corrupt. The world system is not in place for you to have a better life. The world system is in place, regardless of who's in power, the world system is in place to exploit you. The devil has always been there to exploit mankind. All right, so settle that in your head. Number two, salt makes flavor pop. I don't know about you. (laughs) There are some people that I know that can't eat pizza without coating it like with salt like you would when there's a winter storm out there. But we won't go there. I don't know that anybody unless you're unless you're medically ordered to, I don't know that anybody likes to eat bland. Bland. Especially if you come from the ethnic background that I come from. There is no way you want to eat bland food. And we used to have this we used to have this like running joke with my grandparents. My grandmother, who couldn't cook, she was the only Italian lady in the history of mankind that couldn't cook. <laughs> my other grandmother on the other side, she could take a shovel of dirt and make a meal out of it. But my father's side of the family, the Sicilian side of the family, she couldn't cook to save her life. So she would cook a meal and put it in front of my grandfather, and he would taste it, and he would go, you didn't put any salt in here. And she would, i put a whole pound of salt. Then the next time, she would try to correct it, and she'd put extra salt, and he would say to her, This thing is nothing but salt. And she goes, I hardly put any salt in this time. (laughs) So the salt is a major thing about food. Food in this... Now, there are some foods that have natural high sodium in them. But for the most part, if you don't put a little... Especially if you're eating pasta. I don't know about some of you American people how you cook. But (laughs) you're supposed to... You're supposed to cook pasta in seawater. It's supposed to be extremely salty... Water, okay? Well, I'll put it on later. No, you don't put it on, because now you're eating, you're going crunch, crunch, crunch. It's supposed to be in the water. Salt makes the flavor pop. Listen, if it were not for the body of Christ on the earth, you know what things would look like? To the extreme? Does anybody know what it was like? I don't know personally, but I've read and I've researched what it was like to live under communism when it was in its extreme. Everybody wears the same clothes. Doesn't matter who works and does it because everybody lives in the same hovel. Okay, you, you stand in line to get a box of crackers for three days, okay? There's no flavor, there's no individual, individuality, there's no creativity, there's no incentive for creativity. That's what the kingdom of darkness is like. No creativity. No individualism. No, why should you stand up and use your God given talents because now you make everybody else look bad? No, the kingdom of God stresses that the salt of the earth does its best to fulfill the plan of God for each individual. You could you imagine if every one of us was walking in the plan, if every Christian on earth that's alive right now was walking in the fullness of the plan of God, do you know what would happen? All right, let me give you. Let me just give you a, a minuscule, and I've got to move quick here. You guys are really bogging me down today. <laughs> Look, seriously, I'm not kidding you. Do this research. Now, Jesus hasn't even returned yet. The kingdom is not even here physically on the earth, except for the church. Look at the nation of Israel. Look at the nation of Israel. They produce all the fruit and all the vegetables that supplies the entire continent of Europe from a desert. Every major medical breakthrough that's happening right now is happening in Israel. Right. The technology is ridiculous. It's incredible. Here is a nation smaller than the state of New Jersey with a population about the size of the state of New Jersey yet has developed weapons to protect themselves fighting against the majority of the rest of the Middle East. That's not normal. And, and the Messiah hasn't even returned yet. Could you imagine what's going to happen? The growth, the explosion of just quality of life that's going to happen after all goes to hell and Jesus returns here and establishes His kingdom on the earth. And all of a sudden, now the salt of the earth is walking like the salt of the earth. Amen. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Salt is used as an antiseptic. Yes. How many of you, when you had a sore throat, your parents would say, or <laughs> do what? Gargle with what? Salt, salt water. Salt water. Yeah. Now, my father does something strange. I don't know if anybody else, maybe if you come to the same background. He used to put salt in a frying pan, heat the salt up, put it in a handkerchief and wrap it around his throat. You knew about that? Why? What's he gonna do? Dad, what's he gonna do? It's gonna draw it all out. Uh, whatever. <laughs> it worked. Salt is an antiseptic. Okay? I mean, And here's the thing about it, okay? Um, yeah, let me go there. Salt is an antiseptic. It'll clean a wound out. But you notice it also stings. Do you ever have a cut? Do you ever step on something at the beach and then you go in the ocean? (sighs) That'll that'll wake you up. Okay? It stings. But isn't that just like the truth? The truth sometimes that we have to face, that we have to come up against, stings sometimes. But ultimately, what does it do? it cleans out all those old wounds. And Jesus calls us the salt of the earth. Amen. So, so well, uh, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm not going to speak. No, if you don't speak, if you don't speak the truth, you're allowing that person to keep festering their wounds. Their wounds are just going to keep worse and worse, deeper and deeper, and eventually it's going to affect your whole soul. You and I have to act like salt. Amen? Yeah. So, he also said that we're the light of the world. That one used to confuse me years ago. Let me read it to you. Matthew 5:14. I promise if you give me five minutes, I'll be done. But you're gullible people. <laughs> now I'm serious. So five minutes, five minutes, I promise you, okay? Matthew 5:14. You were the light of the world. The city set on the hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. Now, when I read that, and then I said to myself, especially every time I teach in this thing, but wait a minute, didn't Jesus say that he was the light of the world? Yeah, he did. In John chapter 8, in verse 12, then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So which way is it? Is he the light of the world, or are we the light of the world? Yes. Yes, because the only light that you and I have is Christ in me, the hope of glory. Yes or no? So he's the light of the world, but now he's in us. So now we're the light of the world. Why? Because he's not here anymore. You realize Jesus is not on earth, right? Where is he? He's in heaven. See, dead at the right hand of the Father, right? So if any light is going to come to the earth, who is it going to have to come from? Us. 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 Now, I had a pretty cool experience and went to the, um, the Museum of the Bible in Washington. Has anybody been there yet? How many have been there? How many have been there? The museum. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. You should take your kids. You take grandparents, take your grandkids. There's plenty of nice hotels right around there. You can walk to the museum. Phenomenal place. There's one place there in the Museum of the Bible. I think it's on the third floor. Where they have a village recreated. The village of Nazareth. Okay? And then they have this, what do you call it, a mural? Like a mural. A panoramic. a panoramic mural. And you can see from the vantage point of Nazareth what it looked like around the Sea of Galilee. And you see those little cities. But then they have a separate e- exhibit for the city called Sepphoris. Sepphoris, or Sephoris, however you wanna pronounce it, was called the Jewel of the Galilee. This was the Beverly Hills of the Galilee, the region of Galilee. The, the entire village and town was made up of, exclusively of villas, palaces. This is most likely the place where Joseph Jesus, his stepfather, and Jesus went to work because all the craftsmen lived in Nazareth. All the people, wealthy, wealthy, wealthy people lived in Sepphoris. However, at nighttime, Nazareth is dark. But as soon as you look to the northwest, you see this glow on this hill. That is the city of Sepphoris because all at night, at all the palaces, Beautiful mansions, beautiful homes were all lit by torchlight. So you could not miss Sepphoris if you looked outside in the darkness. I guarantee you that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. Everybody would have known he's talking about Sepphoris. Because when Sepphoris was lit up at night, you could see it from all over the place. And he said, you are the light of of the world. You can't hide Sepphoris when it's glowing at night, when it's spectacular, when it's brilliantly lit. You cannot hide that. And neither are we supposed to be walking around hidden. People need to see. People need to see who we are. So, um, how are we going to live in these last days? I've only got a couple of minutes left. We, we need to, we need, people are going to see our good works. But listen, they're supposed to see our good works and do what? Honor our Father, glorify our Father, not us. Right. Now we're not supposed to be going around telling everybody what we did. Okay? The glory is supposed to go to God, not to us. Amen. Whether they see it in us, it's one thing or another. You know, that's that's not the important thing. The important thing is that when they do see it, they're glorifying God in heaven. Amen. Okay? What are they gonna say? How we love? How we forgive how we serve. These are all things that that cause people to go, wait a second, they must be Christians. They must be Christians. We're supposed to shine bright in this dark world. Now watch this now. Our good works are important, but only he can save a person. The best that you and I can do is impress that person. Did you catch that? You and I cannot save individuals with our good works the most we can do is impress people with our good works so that they want to know what is going on with you. you What are you about? So that opens the door for us to tell them it's God. It's Jesus. Amen? Amen. So let's recap this real quick and then we'll be done. We know that according to the word of God, we're living in last days. Jesus is coming soon. Uh, He's our hope. We need to shift our lives to reflect the time that we're in it's not about us anymore. Not about us anymore. Turn to somebody and say, not about us anymore. You're not doing it, so it's still about you. Uh, t- turn to somebody and say, it's not about us anymore. Okay. We, no, uh, the next thing is we've got to keep our hope alive. We need to awaken our God-given purpose and live it out. And we will need faith in operation now more than ever. So we've got to live our lives in such a way that we influence this world. Be salty. Shine bright. Amen? Amen. Can I just pray for you before you leave? Why don't you stand up and then we'll be dismissed. When I'm about to pray, I pray with all my heart, from my heart. I want you to receive it that way. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray the Holy Spirit who lives within each and every one of us who have proclaimed already our faith in Jesus Christ, that you, Holy Spirit, the teacher, would remind us. Jesus said you would remind us of the things that you spoke. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you remind us of the importance and the urgency of living our lives in the context of these last days. Help us, Father, not to be overcome, not to be overwhelmed. Help us to stay in faith towards you. Help us to walk in love. Help us to serve one another. Help us to forgive one another. Help us to keep hope alive in our hearts by your spirit, Father. God, we trust you that you're walking us through these days. You're helping us to navigate through these dark times so that in all things, Father, you would be glorified and that you would affect every unsaved, lost person in our lives through the salt and through the light that you've deposited in us. We trust you for doing these things in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 One more thing and then we're going to be dismissed. If you're here this morning and you have never had the opportunity to pray a very simple prayer, to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, please, please, don't hesitate. Please don't put it off any longer. Please stop saying to yourself, well, someday in the future, you're not guaranteed future. The decision for Christ has got to be made while you're alive and in this body. So I don't know what that's... all. Let me just ask you this. And don't raise your hands. Don't say anything. If you believe that Jesus is the son of God, if you believe that God raised him from the dead, if you believe he died on the cross to pay for your sins, that's all you need to believe to accept him, to receive him into your life, for his spirit to come and live inside you. Then the journey and the adventure starts from there. But if you've never come to that place, if you've never had the opportunity to declare openly... I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that He's the Son of God. I do believe that He died on the cross for my sins. If you've never had a chance to do that, please, please give us the honor, give us the privilege of being able to pray with you. There are people that'll be standing up here. Just come up to the front. There'll be other people that are coming up for prayer. And just come and say, I want to pray that prayer. I want to receive Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Let's be salt. Let's be light. Amen. church, ushers, you can go ahead and receive the offering. I'd like to introduce our lead pastor, Pastor Joe Source. Amen. That, that, that was some good preaching, wasn't it? Yeah. Glory to God. How are we doing today? We're blessed? Amen. Amen. Okay. We're going to finish up the series today. Um, this is part three, the final part. I I beg you, if you had not been here over the past couple of weeks and did not catch part one and part two, please go online, go to our YouTube channel, and please listen to those messages, because it's impossible for me to repeat everything from two other teachings and then expect to finish this today, okay? So we are talking about, and our, our goal here is to learn from the scriptures, how are we supposed to live in these last days? Okay, now, if you're just coming in on this series now, um, I, don't, I don't have the time to go into giving you evidence from the scriptures why we say we're in the last days. You need to go listen to the messages. But please, uh, let's just settle in our hearts for today for the sake of this message that we are in the last, actually the last of the last days, okay? And uh, thank you, thank you for that, amen, David. You're making up for everybody else, amen? <laughs> Uh, I like responses not because they pet my ego. I don't need it for that. It lets me know that you're getting the point that I'm making. i reached over to Pastor Pam before because we come from a background where there was a lot of activity in the congregation in relationship to the teacher. So we had when we were in uh, Bible school, we had uh, some individuals in church that would yell out, and then previous our previous church experience was. One lady used to stand up and go, make it plain, Pastor, make it plain. So you don't have to do that. Just, get, just give me an amen. Or, or back when we were in Bible school, we had one lady, and she was a sweetheart. I know you're talking to me right now, Pastor. So, so anytime you want to jump in. In fact, the first time my father came to one of our type of church services, when we were dedicating one of our children. And coming from the background that he comes from which is pretty much not a church background he sat behind one of our individual brothers in the Lord John um, oh gosh I'll tell you later and, and John John was a sweetheart of a man uh, took care of his wife who was a quadriplegic an amazing man of God just overflowing with mercy but he never stopped talking during the service <laughs> amen 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 Finally, my father reaches over to me and tells me in Italian, is this guy going to stop today? <laughs> so I had to explain that whole thing afterwards. But it gives me the gauge to go by, yes, we got this. Amen. Okay? Because as a teacher, there's no use to me going on if I think we should stay and spend more time on a particular point. Yes. Amen. 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 You're getting there. So, our foundation scripture for this series is found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Okay, it, it, it is apparent that the Apostle Paul received revelation from the Holy Spirit about what the conditions on earth would be like uh, in the future, his future, what it would be like as we get closer to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he starts off what we call this chapter. Of course, it wasn't separated in chapters when he wrote it. But this part of the letter, he stops here to make this very emphatic point. But know this. I'm going to read it to you in English, in your English Bible, and then I'm going to read it to you the way they heard it in the first century. Okay? But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Okay? And here's how it sounds in the original language. But you must grasp the reality that in the last days, when you come to the place and time when you've reached the last port, when you have come to the end of the line, exceeding, ferocious, life-threatening times will come. Then he goes on to describe what it's going to be like. Give me verse 2, please. What it's going to be like. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unwhole. You, you realize how, how, how gratitude has been minimized on, a, on, a, on like a, a global scale. Nobody has any gratefulness. Nobody has any sense of thankfulness. It's like everybody feels like they're owed something. It's horrible. Unthankful, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control. That's very evident. Brutal, <laughs> despisers of good, traitors, that's one way up there. Headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, that one about traitors, I'm not going to get off on this, but I don't know that there's ever been a time in history where people could operate in a treacherous, traitorous way and not get punished for it. And the rest of the world just throws their hands up and goes, oh, well, that's just the way it is. It's crazy. It's crazy. Headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. Now, let me just spend a second or two on this one here. Having a form of godliness. Do you realize there's so many people, and, and, and you may have started out this way? There's so many people, like you talk to somebody about Jesus and you go, oh, Well, I'm a very spiritual person. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm, I'm really concerned about, because I don't know what spirits you're entertaining. You see what I'm saying? A lot of people today will will identify themselves as spiritual, but what kind of spirit are you talking about? Because there's many voices in the realm of the spirit. There are the voices that come from the kingdom of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit, and then there are the voices that come from the kingdom of darkness. And see, if you don't have, if you don't study the word of God for yourself, this is an important thing. I had a conversation with somebody in the first service. If you don't study the Word of God, then you don't know what to match that voice up that you're hearing. Because you could be hearing a voice that sounds spiritual, but it might not line up with the Word of God. If you don't know what the Word of God, if you're not studying the Word of God, you don't know the character of God. So, So you may hear or get an impression about something that doesn't line up with the Word of God at all. In fact, that's how every major false religion, every major cult was formed by someone who heard a voice, but that message did not line up with the scriptures. And then foolish people, by the thousands and millions, end up following somebody, but it sounds spiritual. You get a lot of trouble that way. So read the word. Amen! Read the word for yourself. All right, so listen, we talked about how are we supposed to live in these last days, all right? I'm just gonna go through there real quick because I wanna spend more time on finishing up this message. I'm just gonna review very quickly. Last week, we talked about if we're gonna make it in these last days and if we're gonna be effective in these last days, okay? And I'm assuming that you wanna be effective. I'm assuming you wanna live your life and to bring glory to God, to, to kind of magnify the name of Jesus, to affect people's lives. How many of you wanna leave a mark on, the, on, the, on your generation. How many of you want to just, the, the rest of you just like, yeah, I'll just. <laughs> I talked about this a, a number of months ago. If you go to the cemetery, you see on the gravestone, it has a set of numbers, then a dash and another set of, a, a date, a dash and another date. Yes. That dash is your life. Yeah. There should be something of meaning to that dash. Mm-hmm. Not just they were born on this day, they left on that day. So in these last days, we have to shift our perspective. Okay, again, I'm assuming that you want to please the Lord, that you want to live in accordance with, in such a way where you're going to make a difference in somebody's life for good. In order to do that, you can't live two lives. You're either going to live for you or you're going to live for him. If you live for you, that dash is going to be inconsequential. If you live for him, people will step up at your funeral and have things to say and they won't have to lie. (laughs) So, let's live in such a way where we walk in hope. Don't give up hope because we've already seen things bombard our minds that will cause us to draw back and to just go like, this world is shot. There is no hope anymore. Let's just pray to make it to the end and that's it. That that might be a tactic for you because you already know the Lord if you are a Christian, but what about the people around you? What about the people in your life that are looking for, for hope from someplace? They don't know him yet, and so they're looking for somebody that's going to spill over on them, and in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that may you may what? I know you guys got it. That you may what? Overflow. With what? Hope. How? You see how it all works? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you what? Trust him. For what, for what end? So that you may hope. overflow. Hope. By what? By, with what? With hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, so if I want to get to the place of overflow... I gotta do two things. I've got to trust him, and I've got to be very close in touch with the Holy Spirit because that comes from the Holy Ghost. Anything that does not come that appears to be hope that doesn't come from the Holy Spirit is hype. You catching this? It's man-made hype. Genuine power that brings hope comes from the Holy Spirit. It does not originate with man, it originates in heaven. You catching this? But if, you're not, but if you're not in touch with him, he can be pouring out, pour, but if you're not in touch with him, if you're not recognized, if you're not on the same wavelength, you're not gonna receive it, you're not gonna be overflowing with hope. Right. Number two, we gotta reawaken our God-given purposes. We spent a lot of time on this last week. Okay, and the bottom line is this. You can't give up your God-given purpose because times are tough. That's right. and, and, I, and I sense people are doing that. I sense people without... without you might not even, even be aware of it. On the inside, people are going like this. It's time out. Uh, I'll get excited again. I'll start dreaming again. I'll start doing again. After all this craziness stops. Honey, it's not going to stop. It's not going to right. stop. Because they found out that it works. Okay? Well, who's day, Pastor? The powers of darkness that operate behind the scene have realized this works. We can can control an entire globe with fear. And so what happens? People who are gifted by God, who have had things deposited in them to do great things to affect mankind, draw back because these times are crazy right now. It's just time to, like, let's just draw back, let's hunker down and wait for this to pass. It doesn't pass. This is life now. Yep. You catching this? Yes. Amen, amen. Yes. amen. amen. <laughs> Look, I know we don't like to admit this. And I know you'd rather live in fantasy world. We all do. It's just human nature. We don't want to, re- we don't want to admit, we don't want to recognize that we're living in times right now that are extremely different than when most of us are used to. Okay? Uh, you, you hear what I'm saying? Yes. But the fact of the matter is we have got to line ourselves up with God's timeline, not expect him to change his timeline to accommodate us. Amen. Are, you, are, you, are you listening to me? It's that real. It's that real. Look, I know you can go in any place, any other churches, I'm, and I'm sure there's many that are aware of this, but for the most part, most churches want to teach fantasy world. And they're not prepared. They're just, they're not prepared for life. So when life hits you, because you lived in fantasy world, everything's gonna be wonderful, everything's gonna be great, some, some magical uh, individual is gonna come on the horizon and it's gonna make everything okay. No, that message that if you're entertaining that that is the message of the enemy because the enemy is going to send someone on the horizon one day that's going to make it look like he can make everything okay. And the majority of the population of this world is going to follow that individual. There will be a remnant that will not. I'm trying to prepare us for that remnant. Okay? You got it? All right, good. Good. All right, let me just jump in here. So number three, what do we have to do? How are we going to have to live? Going to have to live by faith. Going to have to live by faith, okay? What does that mean, Pastor? You're going to have to live with an awareness that you contain within you a spiritual force that nothing from the enemy can stand against. Amen. It is faith in God Almighty to whom nothing is impossible But then in turn, to the person that walks in faith, nothing is impossible. So when we join our faith to his promises, all hell can break loose on the earth. As it says in Psalm 46, all the mountains can slide into the sea, but it it is not gonna affect us. Why? We're focused. We have our eyes on him. We trust him. No matter what we see going on around us, this is not our world. You're getting this? You're, this is the attitude. This is the perspective you've got to have. I love you. Love everybody. But this isn't our circus. We are citizens of a different world. We are citizens. Of, we're the aliens here. We belong to a different world. Our citizenship, Paul said, is in heaven. I'm living here, but I'm living here very much like, like, like an ambassador. An ambassador is sent from a country to represent the country that it comes from to another country. Amen. When the ambassador gets there, I got it, Dave. <laughs> when the ambassador gets another country, listen to me, I love you. Thank you for stirring everybody else up. Yeah, but listen, when an ambassador goes to a country, okay, especially a country that's way poorer and less developed than the country <laughs> that sent it, that ambassador does not live according to that economy. You catching this? That, that ambassador lives according to the economy of the government that sent him or her to represent it to that other nation. They live in a different compound. They may wear different clothing. They may eat food based on the government that they came from or the culture they came from. They, they are stationed in that country or nation but they don't have their citizenship in that nation. They're protected. They're not expected to live like that country. In fact, most of the trouble that we have on an international scale happens because the people that live in that country want to live like the ambassador behind that walls. That's how we should make people in the world feel. I am going to live like them. They don't live like us. They don't live like, they're not going through what we're going through. If they are, it's not affecting them like us. They live in a different standard. Why? So that we can work around like this? No. So we'll say, hey, come on in. Come into this kingdom. Because when you come into this kingdom, things change. Things are different. I was talking to a young man in the first service this morning who just got recently born again, just gave his life to the Lord this past week, a Wednesday night service. And he said, I don't, it's like everything has changed. It's like, I don't know who I am anymore. I I don't know, I I feel completely different. This isn't me. I said, of course it's not you. You died. This is the one that God really wanted on the earth. We're supposed to have that sense on the inside, okay? And the only way you're going to do that is to live by faith. Faith is what separates us from the rest of this world. I'm talking about the principle of faith, the force of faith. The power of faith. The spiritual principle of faith. Okay, I like to explain it this way. When God created the heavens and the earth, he acted in faith. He spoke and it became. Yes or no? Yes. But mankind really didn't need to live by faith yet. Everything was going good for him. He, you know, the, the ground watered itself. It seemed like there was some type of an irrigation system that God, when God created the earth, that says that the mist would rise from the earth and water all the plants. He didn't have to go out there with a hose. He didn't have to carry water for a mile. It's just everything grew. He placed man in a perfect environment, perfect physically, except the fact that man had free choice. So now when man operates his free choice, Adam and Eve, and they took their trust that they had in God and placed it in the devil and put more importance and more focus on what the devil had to say as opposed to what God had to say, something changed. Mm -hmm. Curse came on the earth. You remember God said to Adam, uh, don't eat that tree, don't eat the fruit of that tree, because in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. die." Now, you notice he didn't die that day? It took hundreds of years later from die. But, the Curse of disobeying God came on the earth, and it affected everything. The ground dried up. The ground's not watering itself anymore. All of a sudden, something new shows up in the garden: uh, thorns, thistles, weeds. Okay, stuff that's actually blocking the crops from growing and blocking the fruit from being produced. And so now, what happens? Man now has to operate in a force that they didn't have to operate before. Because God is a good God. He didn't just leave us at the whim of the enemy because we turned against God. He had mercy on us. So now he starts to allow Adam and Eve to operate by faith. And the first thing he started it with was a sacrifice. They had to trust. He's showing them. He's giving them this illustration. Because you disobeyed me, you cannot come before me any longer without blood. Something's, something's blood has to be shed. Someone or something's blood has to be shed. And then we see later on, he reveals it to Moses, and Moses writes it in the book of Leviticus, that without the shedding of blood, I believe it's chapter 17, without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. In other words, for sin to be put away, for sin to be forgiven, for sin to be overlooked, blood had to be shed. So when they sacrificed, they had to sacrifice by faith, believing that when they slit that throat of that animal and the blood came out, that that was going to cover their sins even if it was for just one year. So what happens now? The goodness of God allows us to operate in a way only he could operate before. Now you and I are able to speak what God says and see the same results as if he spoke it himself. Yes or no? Because you see, faith, you can have all the faith that you're capable of in here, but it will have no result until it comes out of here and into this realm. And that's only done two ways, through words and through actions. You claim that you have faith, great, wonderful. You can recite scriptures left and right, I'm impressed. But it's not until I see you walking out what you claim you believe that I can say, wow, so-and-so really operates in faith. All right, now, God revealed this to us. Can you go to Isaiah 55? I believe it's verse 10. Isaiah 55, yep, it is. Look at this now. He's going to give, now the Spirit of God through the prophet Isaiah is going to give us a natural illustration and then he's going to show us how it applies spiritually because in these days, you and I are going to have to learn how to operate this way. Otherwise, we're going to have a tough time in the future. Okay? As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, which is that, happens all the time. Right? Rain, rain vaporizes, it, it evaporates, it goes into the atmosphere, it gathers around dust particles, it begins to form what? Wow. Clouds. When those clouds get too heavy and they're full of water, what happens? It rains or it snows. And hopefully in Jesus' name, here in New Jersey, this, every winter they do the same thing. Oh, this winter's gonna be bad. No, in Jesus' name. It's only allowed to snow on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday. That's it. Uh, In Jesus' name. So he said, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it, it doesn't go back without doing what? It waters the earth. Keep going. And making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower, for the one who's going to plant, and bread for the eater, right? Right. Everything that grows on the earth exists in those categories. Mm -hmm. If you leave the plant stay there until it produces seed, now you have seed. To duplicate and to multiply what you planted, yes? yes? But out of that you also have what? Stuff to eat, right? right. So, so Paul takes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 in the New Testament says, you got seed to sow, you got bread to eat. Don't mix them up. Okay? Plant your seed, eat your bread. So, and now, now he's gonna get into the spiritual part of this. God's saying the way you have the natural illustration where rain comes from the from the sky, falls on the earth, causes the earth to become Activated the seeds that are in there, it grows and produces. So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me because where does it originate from? It originates from God. We take the word, we speak the word, we release the word, and where does it go back to? It goes back to God. He said, It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Now, that is a fact. But if you don't believe that, then it's just words on a page. So how will you know if you're walking in faith? How will your family members, your coworkers, your your loved ones, how are they going to know that you're walking in faith? You're speaking the word. When a problem comes up, you don't start lamenting and wringing your hands. You start saying what God says about the situation. Why? Because that's how it's going to change. It's not going to change by you acknowledging the situation. It's going to change by you acknowledging what God said about the situation. You listening? Because when you say what he said, then he'll do what he said he will do. I'll walk you through that one more time. When you say what he said, then he'll do what he said. Somebody has to release it. Somebody has to speak it. Someone must declare it as truth over a situation. Amen. You got it? Yes. That's how we're going to have to live. Okay, you ready for the, you actually ready for the part three? Because yeah. that was all review. <laughs> so, how are we going to do this now? How are we going to live knowing what we know, knowing that we can't give up our hope, knowing that we need to be tough in these last days, knowing that we need to walk in the purpose that God's created us for, knowing, this, knowing that we have to walk in faith, How now should we be living in these last days to have the greatest effect on this world before everything shuts down, before Jesus comes back, before everything changes, okay? Because there's some people going to get caught in the middle, okay? Now, I would say every one of us in this room that are believers, we're good. If Jesus was returned this afternoon, we're fine. We're going with him. But you and I both know there's going to be way more people left on the earth than there is that are going to be joining Jesus. Yes Yes or no? And those poor people that are left behind are going to go through hell like it's never been seen before. Jesus said, unless he returned, there would be no people left on the earth. That he would come and shut it down before wiped everybody off the earth. Okay? I, I know it gets quiet when you talk about this kind of stuff. But this is, this is the reality of the scriptures. This is where we're heading right now. Okay, there's no use of us denying it. No use of us saying, well, I they know that's a controversial subject. Controversial or not, mm-hmm. it's going to happen one day. Yeah. It's going to happen w- one day, okay? What are you going to do? Leave everybody behind? Do you want to know that you did your best to get your loved ones into the kingdom and that if they totally reject it, it's their fault and it's nothing to do with you? That you weren't negligent, that you at least made the effort. So, how are we gonna live? Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 5. Can we go there, please? Now, let me tell you ahead of time. This is not gonna impact you the way this impacted the people that Jesus said it to. Because our perspective of salt is completely different today. Let me read the scriptures and we'll go into it, okay? Is that good? You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Next verse. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light shine so shine before men that it has this end result, that they people on the outside, may see your good works and glorify who? Your Father in heaven. In these days that we're, that we're walking into right now that are up ahead of us, this, these two principles are gonna be the most important things that the church can be. Amen. Because unfortunately, most people in the world don't wanna hear us, but they are watching our lifestyles. Amen. They're watching us. They're watching us. You listening to me? They're watching us, Okay. Now, I said this before to you, maybe it might have struck you strange, that statement that Jesus made that you are the salt of the earth does not hit us the way it hit them. Even talking about light, we take light for granted. Back then, they didn't have a switch that you could walk in. They didn't have a room you could walk in and turn the switch on lights. Lights outside. You could, you know, cities that are lit up like it's 12 noon because we have access to so much light. Light was considered very precious Salt was considered a very expensive commodity. Now you and I could go down the street to the supper shop and go buy a box of salt, assuming they have it on the shelf. Could, could buy a box of salt for about a dollar. I mean, I'm not that old, but I remember when you could buy a box of salt for a quarter, 29 cents. Okay, but now you know. Now, now, if you want to, you know, if you want sea salt, you're going to pay about two and a quarter, two fifty, because it comes in a special container now. So you and I salt the salt. Salt, everybody has it in their house. Multiple, probably, containers. It's not a big deal. But back then, you were considered wealthy if you had a stock of salt in your house. In fact, the Roman Empire used to pay their soldiers at one point in time in salt. Because that's how expensive and precious it was. Because now we have refrigeration. They didn't have refrigeration back then. Uh, stuff that was perishable meats um, fish any, anything that was perishable any type of meat or any kind of animal protein that was perishable you'd lose it in a day or two what that heat that kind of humidity so what did they do they would take and salt stuff that would try to cut down try to extend its life and cut down that rate of corruption okay so salt was used primarily as a preservative, okay? It's a preserving force. Jesus called us salt and called the people that time salt because he wanted them and wants us to understand we are the preserving force here on the earth. And I don't say that in a haughty way. I do not say that in a condescending way. I'm, I'm telling you, Jesus expects the church, his body on the earth, to be a preservative against the rot and the corruption that is taking place in our society. We're supposed, to be the, we're supposed to be the influencers. So when we stand for the truth of the word, when we speak the word, we are helping someone who's not knowledgeable of the word or knowledgeable of the character of God, we are helping that individual or a group of individuals to not get involved in corruption and rot like so many millions and millions are doing in this day that we live in. Amen? Amen. So, salt is supposed to make flavor pop. Okay? Um, do you ever go to eat at somebody's house and you're like looking all over the place for the salt shaker? Because <laughs> it's like, this food is blah. Blah. You listening to me? Yes. Especially if you like, if you're a foodie. How many foodies do we have in here? How many liars do we have in here? (laughs) Listen, our culture revolves around food. And I think because we're a nation of immigrants, we we all brought our stuff with us. Everybody brought their style of doing things. And so when I taste your stuff, I like, oh this is good. You taste our we we America is known for food. Okay, if we were French, we'd say we're known for butter. But we're known for food. And I don't know anybody. I don't unless you're on a medically mandated diet. I don't know anybody likes to eat food with no salt. It's like, ugh, horrible, horrible. Well, well, I just you know I let people put it on it when they eat. No, it's not the same thing. You got to put the food. You got to put the salt in the food when you're cooking it. Never mind putting it on top because now you put it on top and now you're crunching when you eat. And, and you haven't given it time for the salt to spread out in the flavor, okay? Especially like rice, pasta, potatoes. These are bland. If you don't put salt in these things, you might as well just use it for wallpaper paste. <laughs> so, so watch this now. Jesus, again, uses this illustration of salt because we're supposed to bring flavor and creativity and spice to our society. Are you listening to me? Now, this goes a lot deeper than you would think because we're not supposed to live bland lives. We're not supposed to live just shut up someplace and never tell anybody who you are not let anybody know what you believe. You're depriving people of that flavor. You're depriving people of the ability for life to pop for that, okay? Now... I'm going to make a a couple of statements here. Although they're going to sound political, they are not. Because you have to understand, we relieve ourselves of the whole political controversial thing when you realize there are two kingdoms at work. There is a kingdom of darkness, and there's a kingdom of light. When the kingdom of light has rule and reign over society, it's godly, it's righteous, it's good. People prosper, and they live good lives. When the influence of the kingdom of darkness is allowed to rule and reign, it is automatically oppressive. It's automatically bland. Now, if you did any research, or if you would do any research of what communism was like in its purest form, I'm not talking about the communism of the past 20 years. I'm talking about in the 40s and 50s and 60s. Everybody wore the same clothes? There was no reason for a person to display their creativity. There's no reward for it. There is no individuality. It's just that everybody, if you can get any food, you eat the same thing. Everybody, no matter who they are, lives in the same hovel. It's just, there's no, and that's why it collapsed. Because it is completely against human nature. God created us to prosper and be in health even as our souls prosper. Amen. He's created us to be very individual. He, recreated you in Christ to do good works that he called you to even before you were conceived. Okay? So you and I have got to be constantly throwing salt and constantly stirring up creativity and constantly prom- promoting individuals to do their best, constantly provoking each other to good works. Why? Because we're salt. We're flavorful. We, we give flavor and we give excitement to our society. You listening to me? Yes. Salt is used an antiseptic. How many of you, when you had a sore throat when you were a kid, what did your parents or what did your mom tell you to do? Gargle with what? Salt water. Salt water. Salt water. I was telling people in the first service, my father had a, an extreme thing. I don't know where the heck he got this from. Although a couple of people here, you knew it. My father used to, may may still do. I'm not sure. Used to take salt, put it in a frying pan, heat it up, put it in a handkerchief, and wrap it around his neck and I go, "Dad, what are you doing?" Now it draws it out. It draws it out. I don't know, but salt is an antiseptic, you know? Um, I'm told in certain cultures, when a baby is born, as soon as a baby is born, the way they clean that baby is with salt. Get all the blood, get all the, you know the stuff. Get all the stuff. Salt is an antiseptic. Now watch this now. Have you ever cut yourself and then touched salt? You know it, right? Cut your leg, go to the beach, go in the, go in the salt water, what happens? Whoa, it hurts, right? Isn't that amazing? Now, we stopped stinging when we don't, t- when we don't speak the truth. He said, you're the salt of the earth. And sometimes, do you ever have to speak to somebody and it hurt, it hurt them, it hurt you, but ultimately it was truth that they needed to hear or truth that you needed to hear? but your first reaction was what? When somebody came to you with truth that stung you, that hurt you, what was your first reaction? What was the end result, though? You got healed. Those wounds that you were carrying in your soul got, got cleaned out. Because if you don't let the salt clean it out, it'll fester and fester, and then completely the toxicity will go through your whole system. The truth hurts sometimes. But the truth is like salt. Sometimes you got to open up that wound and you got to get some of that salt in there, rub it in there. It might hurt for a little bit, but it's going to clean it out. You won't get any infections. Yes. Are you seeing yes. what I'm talking about? Now, watch this now. God bless you. <laughs> God bless you. But watch now how how, now again, the kingdom of darkness. Now, it's very unfortunate when you get human beings on the earth that are, just determined to cooperate with with the kingdom of darkness rather than the kingdom of light. It is becoming almost impossible to talk to somebody and speak the truth to them without getting offended, without blowing up some whole big controversy on social media and all this other stuff. You see what's happening? You see what's happening? the, The idea is to shut the salt down Shut down the capability of that salt to get into people's hearts so that they can confront some things, straighten some stuff out, allow the salt to heal them so that they can go and live productive lives that they may prosper even as their souls prosper. You and I can't do that. Now, you don't walk around like a a bull in a china shop, but when the Holy Spirit opens up the door for you to, to sit down with someone who you've earned the right to speak to and just say, I love you, and because I love you, I need to, we need to address this thing here. Or stop <coughs> making it hard for people to come to you and say, listen, this conduct has gotta change. You're hurting everybody around you. And we know it's because of the wounds that you're carrying. But what we do is we automatically put the force field up. Now, we put the guard up, the wall goes up, we don't wanna hear anything. And that's why a lot of people never change. We we keep getting wounded, or or better yet, this happens a lot, and and I'm actually walking through this right now with somebody. Uh, Let's say you're in here, and you're connected to, associated with someone who's messed up big time, addictions, bondage, all kinds of craziness, okay? Now, all the attention usually goes on the person who's doing the perpetrating the person who's constantly falling back into addiction, the person who's being abusive, the person, that, you know, either they're, they're not supporting, they're not, they're not conducting this. Stuff. So all the attention goes on, on, the, on that individual, right? But now in the meantime, you who are connected to them, you've got issues. You've got wounds. You've got baggage that you've been carrying, but you're not dealing with it and won't allow it to be dealt with because when anybody ever tries to touch it, you go, yeah, but you don't understand. He's the problem. She's the problem. Yeah, we know that, but you're connected. Yeah. So, so you've got to come to the point where you're going to have to let God deal with you yeah. so that you can get healed up. Mm-hmm. So uh, after one or two things happens, either after the person is completely out of your life, you still have to live. Yeah. Or what if God, what if that person lets God turn them around? Now they got their act together and now you're the problem because you didn't allow your issues to be dealt with because all the attention was on the other person. Is this talking to somebody today? That's a trap that you fall into. Get yourself healed. Face the tough things. Let God pour that salt in those things to cleanse it, to get rid of it so that you're ready then for the next relationship or you're ready when that person turns around. Otherwise, you're just going to flip each other back into these cycles. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm talking to somebody today. That you might be in that situation. All the attaches on them, yeah, they're their, they're their dirt bag, they're the whatever. They're. That's fine. Yeah, but what about you? You've been affected by this relationship. If you don't let yourself get healed, neither one of you are going to be good to each other. <laughs> so, you're the salt of the earth. He said you're the light of the world. That used to bother me. That statement used to bother me. Because when I read that, I don't have my little stool up here. Huh? Um, when I read that originally, I went, wait a second. Didn't Jesus say he's the light of the world? Right. But here, here he says we're the light of the world. John chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever walks with me doesn't walk in darkness. <laughs> they walk in light. So what is it? Is, is he the light of the world or are we the light of the world? Both. 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 Because the only light that you have is because he's in you. So, so you got this now? So now watch us now. We're the light of the world. And again, r- remind yourself that light means something totally different to the people at that time than it means for us. We, we take light for granted. I doubt it very much if, if anybody in this room, unless, unless your electric was shut off, you, you, you take light for granted. We're, we're hardly ever in darkness unless you've, when you go to bed at night, you shut the lights out, right? But even if you go out at night, there's headlights, there's, uh, there's street lights, there's uh, lights from businesses and stuff. We're never really in the dark. But back then, it was a whole different story. A whole different story. I mean, once the sun went down, man, that's it. There's no more light until tomorrow morning. Now, watch this now. Jesus lived in what town? Come on, you guys are like scared to talk. I'm not going to go, no, you're wrong. What town did Jesus grow up in? Nazareth. Yeah. Nazareth. Okay. He's born where? Right. Bethlehem. He grew up in Nazareth. Okay. While he's living in Nazareth, he's, we know he's a carpenter, right? right. Yeah. His stepfather's a carpenter, really, but to really go into the original language, it was more of a stonemason, like craftsman, but whatever. Now, Nazareth is kind of a poor... Village. That's why later on they said, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> but Nazareth didn't exist on its own. You can go research this. Behind Nazareth, over at the next hill, on top of the next hill, was a city called Sepphoris or Sepphoris. Okay, you can go look it up. Uh, I was telling the first service this morning that when we went to the Bible Museum in Washington, actually been there twice already. If you haven't been there, you need to go. The place is amazing. Amazing. They have on one of the floors there, they have a, what would you call it? A replica or kind of a uh, representation of the village of Nazareth. What it would be like, what the synagogue looked like, what the, you know, how they cooked and how they did all this other stuff. And you can walk through this. So you get to a certain point now where they have this panoramic mural that showed the Sea of Galilee and all the little villages around it. And then if you, you turn this way, They have a separate exhibit, like on what would be on the other side of Nazareth, of this village, of this city called Sepphoris. Okay, Nazareth existed to supply Sepphoris. Sepphoris was the Beverly Hills of that day. So all the craftsmen and workers lived in Nazareth, but they traveled to Sepphoris in the daytime to build these beautiful palaces. Every home was more beautiful than the next. Historians of that time write about this. It's just a city of palaces, villas, beautiful gardens, very expensive, okay? Now, at nighttime, Nazareth is dark. But if you looked over to the next hill, if you're out there at 10 o'clock at night and you look at the, over to the next hill, you see Sepphoris blazing with light. Every one of those palaces, every one of those mansions, every one of those villas, was lit up with flaming torches. So he's using this example. They knew exactly what he was talking about when he said, uh, uh, like a city on a hill. Because when you looked at night, no matter where you were, how dark it was, all you needed to do do was look in the direction of Sepphoris and you would see the place glowing, blazing at night. That's how you and I are supposed to live, he said. In a time of darkness in our society, in a, in, a, in a society filled with corruption. Well, all those adjectives of verse two of Second Timothy chapter three are taking place. You and I are supposed to stand out like a bright light in the darkness. We're supposed to let our good works shine before men so that they would glorify our Father in heaven. Amen. Look, we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We need to be holding back this tide of corruption and rot and moral filth and everything else. If we don't, the rest of the world is lost. Now, it's not a battle that we're gonna win. We're not gonna get everybody. We know that because the scriptures are clear about that. But you and I have to grab as many as we possibly can and get them out of this culture, out of this society, out of this world system and bring them into the kingdom of God so that when the final trumpet blows, that blast comes, and Jesus comes to meet us in the air, we're out of here. Amen. We're out of here. Say, so anyway, that that's never happened before. This is the first time for everything. So just because something hasn't happened before doesn't mean it's not gonna happen in the future. So we have to live in such a way where we keep our hope alive. We have to live in such a way that we're still functioning in the purpose that God created us for. We have to still function in faith. In fact, we have to function in faith more now than ever. Because it seems like everything on a daily basis coming against us. We have to be salt. We have to be light. We can't hide our lives. We can't keep quiet. Because you see, the lie that most of us believe from the devil is this. Nobody wants to hear about Jesus. Oh no, the fact is, way more people want to hear about Jesus. Way more people want to hear about the truth of God now than ever. Why? Because we're living in some of the worst times than we ever have. As the darkness gets darker, the light is always going to shine brighter. Amen? Amen. 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 Could you stand up? I just want to pray for you before we go. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that your Holy Spirit, who lives on the inside of every believer, assembled here in this room right now, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll remind us of these things as we march into these days, as we see more and more things happening before our eyes that make absolutely no sense, as we see the darkness getting darker, Father, that we would not collapse under that pressure, that we would stand firm, that we would be salt, that we would be light, that we would shine bright, that we would let Jesus live through us so that he can gather the hearts of those that don't know him yet. Lord, I pray that you would remind us of these things, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, one more thing before we go, 20 seconds, okay? If you're here in this room right now and you have never at any time in your life prayed a simple prayer to ask Jesus to come into your life. Okay, we say, I go to church every Sunday. Just because you go to church every Sunday does not mean that you have experienced Christ, the reality of Christ living in you. He needs to be invited by you. He's not gonna barge into your life. You have free choice that he gave you. It's up to you as an act of your will to say, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that God raised him from the dead. I want him in my life. That's your choice. But that's the choice that's going to determine where you spend eternity. Well, I've been a good person. That's wonderful. I'm sure you're much better than I am. But you don't have Christ yet. And that's the determining factor of where you spend eternity. You probably already believe everything you need to to take the next step to make that declaration. I'm I'm assuming that if you're here, you must believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You must believe that he did die on the cross for our sins, and you must believe that God raised him from the dead. Otherwise, what are you doing here? So take it to the next level. Take it to the next step. You're already qualified. There's nothing stopping you from receiving everlasting life except you. So if you haven't said that prayer, if you haven't made that declaration, it's more of a declaration of faith than it is a prayer, then please, before you leave this room, before you walk out those doors, settle this issue once and for all. You'll never regret having made that decision. So if that's you, please, when everyone else is dismissed, just make your way up front here. If there's anybody else that needs prayer for anything else, you're welcome to come up also. Amen? Amen. So God bless you. I pray that this series has been a blessing to you. I pray that it has equipped you. And go enjoy the rest of this afternoon. Amen? God bless you.